The supreme goal of life, namely the means of obtaining ecstatic love for the Supreme Personality of God, that was too long. The supreme goal of life, the supreme goal of life, namely, namely the means of obtaining, the means of obtaining 
ecstatic love, ecstatic love for the supreme personality of Godhead. For the supreme personality of Godhead. Vidwan. One who is accomplished in devotional service. One who is accomplished in devotional service. No, not. Vakti teaches. Teaches. Agnaya, Agnaya unto a foolish person, unto a foolish person, not cognizant with the ultimate goal of life. Not cognizant. Karma, fruitive activities. Fruitive activities. He, he, indeed. Na, not. Rati, Rati, administers. Roginaha, under the patient. Apatyam, apatyam, something unconsumable. Something unconsumable. Vanchataha. Desiring, api, although, bishaktamaha, an experienced physician, translation and purport by his divine Vishla Prabhupada. A pure devotee who is fully accomplished in the science of devotional service will never instruct a foolish person to engage in fruitive activities for material enjoyment, not to speak of helping him in such activities. Such a devotee is like an experienced physician who never encourages a patient to eat food injurious, injurious to his health, even if the patient desires it. Purport. Here is the difference between the benedictions awarded by the demigods and those awarded by the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vishnu. Devotees of the demigods ask for benedictions simply for sense gratification. And therefore, they have been described in the Bhagavad Gita 7.20 as bereft of intelligence. Those whose minds are distorted by material desires surrender unto the demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worship according to their own natures. Conditioned souls are generally bereft of intelligence because of profound desires for sense gratification. They do not know what benedictions to ask. Therefore, non-devotees are advised in the Shastras to worship various demigods to achieve material benefits. For example, if one wants a beautiful wife, he is advised to worship Uma or Goddess Durga. If one wants to be cured of a disease, he is advised to worship the sun god. All requests for benedictions from the demigods, however, are due to material lust. The benedictions will be finished at the end of cosmic manifestation along with those who bestow them. If one approaches Lord Vishnu for benedictions, the Lord will give him a benediction that will help return home back to Godhead. This is also confirmed by the Lord himself in the Bhagavad Gita 10.10. Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam preti purvakam dadami buddhi yogantam yenamam upayantite. Lord Vishnu or Lord Krishna instructs a devotee who constantly engages in his service how to approach him at the end of his material body. The Lord says in the Bhagavad Gita 4.9 Janma karma chame devyam evam yo vetti tatvataha. One who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not upon leaving the body take his birth again in this material world but attains my eternal abode, Arjuna. This is the benediction of Lord Vishnu, Krishna. After giving up his body, a devotee returns home back to Godhead. 
A devotee may foolishly ask for material benedictions, but Krishna does not give him such benedictions despite the devotee's prayers. Therefore, people who are very attached to material life do not generally become devotees of Krishna or Vishnu. Instead, they become devotees of demigods. Kamais, Taistai, Dhritat, Jnanaha, Prapadyante, Nyadevata. The Gita, the benedictions of demigods, however, are condemned in the Bhagavad Gita. Antavattu phalam desham, tad bhavati alpamedhasam. Men of small intelligence worship the demigods and their fruits are limited and temporary. A non-Vaishnava who is not engaged in the service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is considered a fool with a small quantity of brain substance. <clears throat> Om Ajnana Timirandhasya Jnana Anjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamahyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatanvitam Tam Sajeevam Sadvaitam Sabadhutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhamvitamsha He Krishna Karuna Sindho Dinabandho Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanekyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadara Shrivasashitora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Yam Pravrajantam Anupetam Anupeta Krityam Dvaipayana Virahakatara Ajuhava Putretitan Mayatayatara Vobhinedu Sthamisarva Bhuta Hridayam Munimana Tosmi Hare Krishna So, this chapter is speaking about the appearance of Demon Vrindrasara and we have been hearing of how this demon has appeared and and what is happening to the devatas. And we see this is always a battle going on between the devatas and the demons. And this can be understood at many levels, literally, philosophically, 
and uh, spiritually as well of the fight between the good and the bad, the fight between the pious and the impious and things like that. A lot of lessons that come out and in fact the canto is also uh, named as the prescribed duties for mankind. So, so far what has happened, the devatas have prayed for the, for the Lord to protect them from the wrath of Vritrasura because Vritrasura has been attacking them. And we all know Vritrasura is none other than Visharupa, Vritrasura. He is? Correct, Chitraketu in his last life. So he is a devotee. So the Lord knows about us. And then, now the, now the, after, after the Devatas have pr- uh, prayed to the Lord, the Lord has appeared and now the Lord Krishna, Lord Va- Krishna Vasudeva is speaking to the Devatas. And uh, there is a general notion, nobody likes the devotees of Krishna many times for this reason. If you go to Krishna, he doesn't give you benedictions, he will preach first. You go to devotees, they will first preach, you are not the body. <laughs> so they don't like speaking to the devotees. That's why this verse is very interesting because uh, Krishna is saying uh, a, a guy or a mentor who is accomplished and who is fully accomplished in the science of devotional service will never instruct a foolish person to engage in fruitive activities for material enjoyment. Because Prabhupada writes in the purport that no matter what benedictions one may get, that will eventually be destroyed at least at the end of cosmic manifestation because everything will get destroyed in this material creation. So there is nothing eternal in this reality in one sense if someone's after material uh, engagement. Uh, but if we just, if, if we just uh, observe the world around us uh, and if, you observe, if we observe the devatas that they are praying, devatas are also praying so that they do not lose their position as devatas. Their engagement, their arrangement, their paraphernalia, all that pleasure that they get in the higher planetary realms, they want that back. So therefore, they are trying to pray to the Supreme Lord. Now compared to the modern world, the modern world also are trying uh, grandiose arrangements so that they can make their life very happy. In fact, I was reading uh, the, uh, about a book about a very famous scientist and uh, have you all heard about Stephen Hawking? Who, who had to be wheelchaired at the end of his life because of his some disease that he had to catch up with. Uh, so even he wishes that, I wish there will be a day one day when people will never fall sick, when there will be no disease. Or if there is a disease, we always have a cure for it. Huh? Unlimited energy and yet we will not harm the planet. You see, this is like Hiranyakashipu's wishes. You want unlimited energy, electric, electric, electricity, but it should be renewable, it should be not harming to the environment, but at the same time I should be enjoying my life to the max, I can enjoy and eat whatever I want, but I should not fall disease. If you, if you see, all these wishes are very similar to what is preached in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, Srimad Bhagavatam is such a literature that no matter how advanced the scientist is, there's always some lessons to, to take from here. And what all benedictions has been asked or, or has been endeavoured even today has already been talked about in this book, in this glorious book. So that you can see the parallel between today's world of how advanced, how advancement is moving towards uh, perfecting our life so that we don't get diseased, we don't get interruption in our enjoyment. But at the same time, always there is displeasure. People still get diseased, people still get interruption in their enjoyment 
and therefore they cannot enjoy to the max. Uh, so that is the that is the pursuit of today's science and technology. Uh, many times Prabhupada says, because they cannot address the root problems. What are the root problems of today's uh, of of life itself? What are the root problems? Correct. Janma mrityu jaravyadi dukkha doshanu darshana. Old age, birth, birth, death, disease and old age. These are the four eternal problems of a living entity in this material world. But because modern world cannot find solutions, they keep the problem aside and work on temporary solutions. And that's what we see. I remember uh, when I came first time in Australia, I was looking for a bed, to buy a bed, because we had just then arrived with two suitcases, we didn't have a bed. I did not know, in India usually you have a cotton bed, you just sleep on a cotton bed which is stitched by a guy who comes to your house, he, he puts in a cotton in a sack and then he stitches and that, there you go, the bed is ready. And this bed is recycled or rejuvenated every 10-20 years. Because, uh, I don't know, you know there's a machine which actually strings the cotton out, yeah. if you have, I don't know what's it called as. So they, they string the cotton out, they make it fresh and they restitch it back again and that's, that's your bed. But I didn't realize there, are, there were at least 30 shops that we had to visit to find a bed and, they, and interestingly the word there here is mattress and they were just huge mattress and foam and bamboo and spring and what not. See my goodness so much variety to sleep finally to sleep and yet uh, people have to take medicines for their treating insomnia in fact of such grandiose arrangements of sleeping just a mattress. And then there are so many other things. There, are, there is uh, cars, there's so many options, and the options are there to spoil us. And yet, there is no permanent solution. So, therefore, the whole Varnashrama system was not focused on comfort, bringing comforts to material life at all. It was not focused because that's not the purpose of human existence. Why even endeavor for it? But that doesn't mean they were lazy. They were still perfecting their lives. In fact, in the 12th century, uh, India was one of the topmost metallurgical uh, industry flourished in India. So metallurgy was amazing because I come from, I studied mechanical engineering. So metallurgy was at the peak in the 11th or 12th century, uh, where Varnashramas was still, to a certain extent, followed. So what it means is the purpose of the Varnashrama society was not scientific and material advancement. Although there was material advancement, but it was done keeping uh, theistic principles, keeping religion in the place, keeping philosophy and keeping the ultimate goal in mind, which is to get out of this quagmire with medieval birth, or birth, death, old age and disease. So this was always the purpose of Varnashrama. But it is very difficult to convince someone the purpose of Ashrama. Why is that? Prabhupada writes here, for those whose minds are distorted by material desires, kamais, taistai, hritak, jnana. What is hrita? Hrita means harna, to, 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 to steal. Huh? Um, what are those four people who do not surrender to Krishna? Very good. Who remembers the words? That is people who surrender to Krishna. What are the people who don't surrender to Krishna? Maya yabharata jnana. Abharan means what? To kidnap, to, to steal. Maya yabharata jnana, 
asurin bhavam ashritaha so what happens maya for people who are uh, crazy about material desires what happens maya steals their knowledge what knowledge is this talking about it's not math science and english knowledge here means transcendental knowledge knowledge here means that knowledge which is swayam vichalita gnana bhaktivinoda thakur writes that every living entity has an inherent knowledge about transcendence has an inherent knowledge about spiritual spiritual realization but that knowledge gets covered by what by agnana agnana does not mean absence of knowledge alone agnana means it is just not absent there is an element called agnana which covers the gnana is called avarnatmika shakti of the lord that is maya that covers the knowledge of the lord the knowledge of uh, the jiva to realize his own self and the lord so and why does this happen propad writes conditioned souls are generally bereft of intelligence because of profound desires for sense gratification and where does the sense gratification erupt from kamais tais tair hritag gnana kama where does this kama come from the desires come from what gives rise to desires lust and what gives rise to lust mode of passion kam esha krodha esha rajogna samudbhavaha because they take the shelter of mode of passion predominantly in this material world most of them or 99% of them are in mode of passion uh, we have to be careful that even mode of goodness is tainted there is nothing called as pure modes in this material world mode of goodness passion and ignorance they are all mixed modes even if we talk of mode of goodness there is 1% or 0.5% of goodness majority is passion and a tinge of ignorance goodness doesn't have ignorance but when you come to passion and ignorance there is mixed proportion in various proportions so there is always mixed modes there is no nothing called as pure goodness only transcendental existence has pure goodness which is shuddha sattva so because they take the shelter of mode of passion they are driven by sense gratificatory desires kamais tais tair dhritanya the moment you go into passion i get desires for sense gratification and as i get sense desires for sense gratification the the transcendental knowledge that i that the jiva internally has swayam vichalit gets covered therefore it has to be covered because if 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 the lord doesn't cover it we cannot enjoy the senses the senses are meant to enjoy the sense objects you see that the uh, the hands uh, and the tongue has to enjoy matter but jiva is not not built to enjoy matter but because because of his inherent knowledge so that has to be covered so that he can enjoy it so therefore this this uh, propad writes kamaihi desires tais tai hritagnana now if you see there are two kinds of people discussed one here Prabhupada discusses about those people who go to devatas, okay? And the modern world, the so-called atheistic world, or the so-called people these days, you know, there's a new, um, uh, there's a new, uh, I don't know if you call it as a style or a style statement. These days, they don't want to call it as God; they talk as universe. Have you heard that? Uh, universe, universe, we want universe is speaking to me. <laughs> you heard that? So they talk about. Uh, impersonal aspect of the supreme this is universe it is universe it's not god because god is a taboo these days you can't say god you are you are an old fashioned person it's universe now it is new world you see so uh, i lost my thought <laughs> i lost my thought i don't know why why is there but but this is the thing unending desires dictated by the modes of material nature 
Now, these two, if we, if we compare these two, the people who follow the Vedas, they depend on the Devatas, and the materialistic people who do not believe in the Shastras, what do they follow? Whom do, whom do they depend on? They depend on modern science and technology to fulfill their desires. Huh? Science is there, technology is there, doctors are there, they can cure me. Doctors are there, scientists are there who can make my life very wonderful. You see, um, nowadays, um, I sometimes, you know, people walk with those, uh, you know, earphones which don't have cables, like the Bluetooth, the Bluetooth headsets. So sometimes they are hidden under their hair, you can't even see that, but they are speaking to themselves, you feel they are mad actually, they are speaking to themselves, but then they, you realize they are speaking, they are speaking on the phone. Uh, in, in, the, in the traditional parlance, people used to speak to each other even without those devices. In fact, lately, uh, I was sent a video about a boy uh, somewhere in Tibet, I think. He, was, he had taken a vow to bring peace into this world. He was a practitioner of uh, yoga and meditation and some Buddhist philosophy. And he was meditating for probably a month, sitting in one place without food and water. Uh, BBC has done a documentary on this boy, actually. And without food and water to tolerate, um, so people were... Well, modern scientists were thinking he's probably put a pipe behind and he's uh, stealthily eating something in the night so that he can sustain for a month. And there were doctors and scientists trying to research this boy. He was a young boy, about 9 or 10 years old. So they wanted to know what is going on. And after a while, after a, almost after a month, they, they could see beads of sweat from his forehead. That means he was sweating. And the doctors were saying he's not even had water for a month. How can he sweat? According to medical science, his body must be dehydrated. So where is the sweat coming from? So they speak to his, his guru and his guru says, okay, let me have a word with him to ask his state. So by now he's already become world famous. The whole world is watching him. And then his guru sits. He doesn't open his eyes. The boy doesn't open his eyes. He's still in deep trance of meditation. And guru, his guru sits about six feet away from him. And he's, he goes into meditation. And then he communicates with his disciple. How? Not through Bluetooth. He's just speaking to his disciple by his eyes closed. And then he speaks to him, and then after one or two hours of this deliberation of speaking, he opens his eyes and says, he doesn't want to be disturbed, he's perfectly fine, we want, he wants complete silence and don't disturb him. So here we see, even in today, and this is, I'm not talking of 500 years old, I'm talking of probably 10-15 year old uh, episode that has happened lately in the Himalayas. So you see, there, were, there is a possibility that one can talk to each other without the existence of a mobile phone or a wireless phone. But yet, scientists want to do the same thing by using a device, by using radio waves, etc. So what I mean to, I wanted to draw a, draw a parallel of how this Adhyatma Jnana, the spiritual knowledge, can fulfill all desires that material world is perceiving to fulfill, but without this modern inventions which is not required, it's going the wrong way. Spiritual, there's a chapter in the SSR, Material Problems and Spiritual Solutions. There's a chapter like that in the Science of Self-Realization book. But, one fact remains. What is the fact? That here, people depend on the Devatas to fulfill their desires. Prapadyante Anya Devataha Tamtam Niyamam Asthaya Prakritya Niyatasvaya Based on their desires, based on their proclivities, they go to a demigod and they get fulfilled. So the dependence on demigods are there. And in the modern context, dependence on science and technology is there. So dependence as a principle is true 
And some people don't even depend, they depend on what? Uh, their own efforts and hard work. I'm a self-made man, basically, see? So dependence on something is a principle. Is, as a principle is a fact, isn't it? The jiva has to depend on something. In this case, they are depending on devatas, and in the modern sense, they depend on modern technology and, uh, and scientists, so-called scientists. We have to understand, we are not against science and technology, but we are against the pursuit of atheistic propensities of science. So that is what we are against. Why reject, why, um, in fact, I'll read from, from the book, uh, Stephen Hawking's book. Uh, he says, <clears throat> I've just copied a few lines from his book. It's quite interesting the way, yeah, he says, there's a book that got published. He expands on the premise of, he had some questions, deeper questions in his life. And he explains, the question is, is the way the universe began chosen by God for reasons we can't understand? He, so, you know, as scientists, they always, there's one thing that troubles them. How did this universe come into the being? How did this creation happen? There's always this question in their mind. How, did, how do we have so many species? The, the Darwin's theory is still remain a theory. They can't prove it because there's always, you know, um, there's always the statement, all crows are black. If you say all crows are black, and, and if it is a true statement, this statement can be broken by one white crow. You, you getting the idea? If you say all crows are black, it's a true statement, but if you happen to see a white crow flying, your whole premise is wrong. So in the same way, Darwin's theory of evolution has been time and again proved false by many discoveries, especially in archaeology. It's proven false. So therefore, it's, it still remains a theory in today's context, although there's a very big push from many modern scientists to, to prove the theory is right. But we see. So therefore, the biggest question is, how did we come into being? How did this universe come into being? So that was his question. He says, um, we can't understand or was it determined by law, determined by law of science? Stephen Hawking says, we do not know why this universe came into being. Was it God or was it laws of science? I believe the second. So Stephen, this guy is saying, I believe the second. What is that? The laws of science. If you like, you can call the laws of science as God. <laughs> but it wouldn't be a personal God that you would meet and put questions to. You see, this is what he writes in his book. It wouldn't be a personal God. So you can call the laws of science as God. What does that mean? So you believe in the laws of science and you call it God, but you do not know that for a law to exist, there must be a lawmaker. Should be a lawmaker. So you, you are saying that something has been designed, but you reject the designer. The design, the design exists. And, and we've seen this numerous times, Prabhupada say this, that you see a machine, but you do not know who the operator is. There must be an operator. And very quickly they reject this. He says, but it wouldn't be a personal God that you would meet and put questions to. Why not? If you can be a person, why not this entire universe can be managed by another person? If you can manage your body, if you are the one who manages your body, there must be something superior who manages the universe. At least give the benefit of doubt. Do not come to a conclusion. At least have the audacity to say, I do not know. So, uh, this is going on. In fact, uh, so therefore, we are not against science. We are just uh, against the, the, the atheistic pursuits. I was watching an interview Gopal Krishna Goswami was giving many, many years ago in a, in a television interview. And the interview was so rude to Maharaj. 
He was saying, I see you dancing on the streets all the time and you use modern technology but you are work, you, you behave like a cop-out. You see? You know what's a cop-out? Cop-out means you don't want to participate in the society. You wear orange robes and go and dance in the streets but you don't want to participate and yet you want the facilities of the society. See, he was so rude. Maharaj said, it is only because of us we are trying to save your insane pursuits so that we can bring you to sanity. So therefore we are sacrificing the social participation by voluntarily so that we can help you. You see a volunteer, a social service person actually sacrifices his personal endeavor to help you. So therefore we said, he said, we are not cop-outs, actually you are a cop-out because you have forgotten the true purpose of human existence. So therefore I have taken the responsibility to, to lead you to your real purpose. It was such a beautiful interview actually. So, in this verse, Prabhupada brings the flavor as a difference between the dev, people who worship the Devatas and people who go to Vishnu or Krishna. Um, Krishna says many times, Yepi anya devata bhakta yajante shraddhayan vitaha tepi yajanti avidhi purvakam the ninth chapter Krishna says. People worship the demigods but all that worship actually comes to me because I am the enjoyer. Bhoktaram yagyatapasam. It says, Akasha patitam toyam sagaram pratigachati sarvadeva namaskaram keshavam pratigachati. You've heard that verse? When, when rain falls everywhere, all that rain around the entire in, 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 the, in this early planet, where it goes and merges, it finally goes and merges in one ocean. There's one ocean actually. We, we name it as seven ocean, but if you see the water body is one. Akasha Patitam Toyam Sagaram Pratigachati Sarva Deva Namaskaram Keshavam Pratigachati So you pay obeisance to any Devata, it has to finally reach whom? Keshavam Pratigachati So Krishna is saying, Therefore they do not know that they approach the demigods avidhi, they do not know the process, therefore they go to the Devatas. It doesn't mean that the Devata worship is abandoned because now there is always a confusion in the devotees' mindsets. Vedas say follow, worship the Devatas, etc, etc. But at the same time, we have the third or fourth offense to say, to blaspheme the Vedic literature is also considered as an offense. But the same Vedas are saying, worship the Devatas. So what, how do you bring, uh, how do you bring a samanvaya? How do you understand and put them together? We always have this doubt, doesn't it? We have to understand, Vedas is like a mother. It doesn't say, Go and worship this, you will get this. So Vedas say like this, you can just uh, hear me again. Vedas do not say, if you want a beautiful wife, uh, go to go to Devi, she will give you a beautiful wife. Vedas don't say like that. Vedas say Prabhupada writes, if you want a beautiful wife, then go to Devi. You see the difference? Vedas do not propound Karmakanda in any sense, because Vedas also talk about spiritual Benefit. Sarvatra hari kiyate, hari kiyate. Even Vedas are talking of only hari only. But if you have a desire, then do this. So Vedas is like a mother. If I have a desire of having a beautiful wife, then you go to Uma. Go to Uma. But if you want liberation, then you go to Vasudeva. So Vedas guides you like that. Why Vedas does not mislead people. But if you have a desire, do it. Does it make sense? Am I am I yeah. am I making sense? Yeah. There's a difference between do this so you will get this. If you want this, do this. There is a difference between these two statements. So therefore, uh, you have to understand that. Yo imam pushpitam vacha pravadanti avipaschitaha Krishna says in the second chapter. Uh, people who vedavadarataha partha 
one who talk about the Vedas, many people what they do, they, Vedas are four sections. One is the Karmakanda section. They only stick to the Karmakanda section. Uh, I, was, I was hearing a very senior Acharya from another Sampradaya. He was saying, in the Gurukul, many boys, when they come to Gurukul, and when they are trained, they are trained in the Purohit ceremony, ceremony how to conduct uh, Yajna, how to conduct, uh, uh, you know, what is that? The Yagnopavita, the threat ceremony and the other, other ceremonies. As soon as they learn many ceremonies, they leave the Gurukul. They do not stay back to read the Upanishads. They do not stay back to read the Puranas. They do not. Why? Because when you when you become uh, when you go and study the Puranas and the Upanishads, you become a preacher. You do not become a priest. But priest gets vetan because people are called in India to get to do ceremonies and they get money. So therefore, the moment they read what is important for them to make money, they read the Guru. So he was feeling so bad that. Our own boys are not interested in the philosophy anymore. They just want to make money. So they use the Shastras, learn the ceremonies and leave. It, 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 uh, it pains me so much. So he was expressing this. So in the same way, uh, the people who follow the Vedas do this. Sometimes they only stick to Karmakanda section and they leave the Upanishadic sections which actually reveal them the, the true purpose of the Vedas. So, um, Prabhupada also writes, Antavattu phalam tesham tadhavati alpa medasam. Men of small intelligence worship demigods and their fruits are limited and temporary. That's why Prabhupada writes about fruital activities. Fruitive workers means, I do something and I get a fruit. So, people, I, people want the fruit, therefore they work. But Krishna says, Your duty is to work. Your duty is to do the work, but not expect the results, leave the results to me. That's what Krishna repeatedly says. And yet, we get carried away like that. So, in this verse, Krishna is saying that one who depends on the Devatas, they only get temporary results. But Prabhupada also highlights one who depends on Krishna, they get permanent results. Dadami buddhi yogam tam yenamam I was hearing uh, many, many years ago from a Sri Vaishnava a devotee, a friend of mine, he was saying, I was asking him, many people go to Tirupati, Balaji, and they always go with a bucket list. I want to fulfill this, I want this, I want that, I want this, and they go to this. But they hardly be able to read one or two items because they get dragged out. As soon as they see the darshan of the Lord, they see the bucket list, they are out. They will drag them out. There is only two, two second darshan you can see. So I was asking him, people come to the Lord, the Supreme Lord. Of course, he is Supreme. He's Krishna himself. Srinivasa is Krishna himself. Um, how does the Lord purify such a devotee? And he was telling me, the same people who come to Tirupati Balaji, you see, they keep, they keep coming every year. They keep coming every year. What happens is their bucket list starts reducing. Their bucket list reduces every year and they don't realize it. They don't realize it. First year, he will have, please, Lord, give me a good job. Next, Lord, give me a good house. Lord, give me a good wife. Lord, give me a good promotion. Lord, give me a good son. Lord, make my son an engineer, doctor. Lord, make, get, my, get a good wife to my son. Lord, get me a good grandson. You know, long, long list. And there'll be a time when he comes there and he, he told me there'll be a time when he'll come and he'll just look at the Lord's beauty and he will just weep there and then he'll be pulled out. That's all. There is no bucket list. The bucket is empty. What has happened is his heart has got purified. The Lord gives him but at the same time, he's purifying him. He's purifying him. So that's what happens. Tesham satata yuktanam 
भजता प्रीति पूर्वक ददाम बुद्धि ददाम बुद्धि न वक्ति अग्नाय कर्म ही हृतक ज्ञाना काम हृतक ज्ञाना बट हियर बुद्धि लॉर्ड इज गिविंग द बुद्धि so like that every thought word and deed a devotee always dedicates his activities to krishna he dedicates his body his mind his words his deeds only to krishna this is what means dependence on krishna in fact a, a devotee of krishna actually never requests any material requirements that's why krishna has saying he saying this because in the previous few verses krishna was sad you prayed to me so nicely but when i came in front of you you were asking such a such a tuch such a low class desire that you just want to be saved from vritrasura you did not ask for pure devotion service is that all what you want and we were hearing from many devotees before that it's almost like a millionaire in front of you you can ask the world but you said can you please pay my mortgage please pay off my mortgage so that i can happily live in my house so very so very small ask so why ask a small thing when you can ask the whole world from the lord so therefore the lord is saying uh, i will not instruct you on karma kanda activities by which you will get stuck because getting stuck in karma kanda is a very vicious circle do you all know the silk worm you know what a silk worm does a silk worm spits out silk you know and spits out silk all around it have you seen a silk cocoon have you seen a cocoon it it'll almost look like a cotton ball and there's a silk worm which spits out cocoon all around it and it gets entrapped in its own cocoon and it dies you see so karma kanda is like that pious activities is like that it's it's a it's a prison the more karma we do for our own sense gratification purposes we are ever more propatesis you will ever more get entangled in our complexities in the complexities of maya so unless we come to krishna it's very difficult to get out of this stringent uh, bindings of this material world so and we see uh, kunti devi and many other prayers of the devotees that they always did not go to krishna for material desires janmaishwarya shrutashi vir yedamana madapuman kunti maharani says they saw material advancement can be a hindrance for a devotee uh, we say we see shridhar shridhar acharya or shridhar pandit or kolavecha shridhar is famously known as in chaitanya charitamrita he was he was he was in such an abominable condition but yet he did not ask for material wealth to chaitanya mahaprabhu 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, you are so wealthy, you are the most wealthiest in this, and, but people do not know. And in the night he used to pray for Krishna and he used to cry for Krishna and the neighbors used to think, probably he has not eaten today. He is very hungry, therefore he is praying to the Lord. <laughs> Poor guy, they used to think like that. But the, the treasure of Krishna consciousness that he was cherishing, perhaps the materialists around him did not even fathom the depth of the treasure that he had. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, the treasure that you have, that possibly not many Manushyanam, Sahasreshu, Krishna says, this is very rare treasure. That's why Prabhupada used to say, uh, Krishna consciousness, you will not find many followers in Krishna consciousness. Why? Because it's like a diamond shop. You will always see less people in a diamond shop, but you will see more people in a $2 shop. Mm-hmm. $2 shops are always busy. In a diamond shop, you will maybe one or two people you know, buying diamonds. So like that, Krishna conscious philosophy is very, in one sense, very difficult, but at the same time, simple for the simple-hearted. So, this was also speaks about how to be a proper guide. If people approach us, uh, if, or if people approach a uh, spiritually advanced person, um, I do not know, I shouldn't be saying this, but if you watch a Hollywood movie called The Matrix, he's given two pills, the red pill and the blue pill, you know, the bitter pill or the sweet pill. Which pill do you want to take? The bitter pill will awaken you from the material consciousness and take you to spiritual realm, but the sweet pill will allow you to sleep in deep slumber in the lap maya. So like that, a spiritual mentor should not hesitate to give the bitter pill which is in the interest of the disease. That's why apatyam, this was the second to last two lines, narati rogino apatyam vanchatopi bhishaktamaha. The physician should not think, oh poor patient, you know, he's got diabetes, we've got a doctor here, he knows better. He's got diabetes, but he doesn't like to take the bitter medicine. You can eat sugar, but eat little by little, so that your death has postponed a little bit. You know, a mentor will never do that. Mentor will say, you have to stop sugar. Don't eat sugar anymore. It is disastrous for your health. Eat the bitter pill. You have to swallow the bitter pill. Eat karela. Bitter melon now. Eat bitter melon every day. You know, kaccha chabala. Eat the bitter melon raw now, so that it can help you to revive. So like that, a physical... Uh, um, uh, Physician never advises that which is dangerous to the disease. In the same way, a spiritual mentor will not help or uh, advise or guide guide a pursuer to say, okay, it's okay, you can do some karmakandi activities and then meanwhile worship Krishna also at the same time. But at the same time, a guide will also know how to give that bitter pill, you know, how to lace it with with honey and then slowly give it. So in the same way, when someone comes to Hare Krishna Melbourne, this, this temple, when they eat prashadam, that is eat the sweet halwa, then the bitter medicine of Krishna consciousness is given in a sweet way by eating the halwa. One, one, I remember the first time when I came to this temple, I was chanting two rounds by then. I never knew that uh, there was a temple in Melbourne. My friend got me here. It was a Sunday feast. And when I took the spoon of halwa and I put it in my mouth, my, my head shook, something happened. I still remember that experience. I looked out of the window there, what is this? Um, and you know, they, it worked. The bitter, uh, the sweet pill worked, but it was a medicine that you have to, you know, sacrifice to Krishna. What ensued after is a, is a difficult part, but the halwa is very nice, you see. So, like that, Krishna shows us the beauty of Krishna consciousness while giving us a material, uh, while giving us a spiritual treasure. 
he slowly withdraws the material proclivities that we all have very gradually. That's the beauty of Krishna consciousness. So with this, I'll stop here. Today also is a very, very auspicious day because today is the appearance of Ganga Devi in this material world. Today was the day when Ganga descended into this material world. So therefore, there is a grandiose puja of Ganga happening. Ganga puja happening all over India near Ganga especially. In Mayapur, in Varanasi and other places. Today also is the appearance of Ganga Mata Goswamini. I don't know if you have heard about that. Uh, it was, I have never heard, I had never heard about a devotee like this, but Ganga Mata Goswamini was a very beautiful young girl uh, somewhere born, born in Bengal. Um, I do not know what year she was born. But from a very childhood, she was very uh, proficient in uh, Vedic knowledge. She had studied the Vedas and she was an ardent devotee of Krishna. She had beautiful deities of Radha and Krishna and she, she, she had almost wedded to Krishna and she did not want to marry anyone. Have you heard another devotee like this? Meera, Meera Bhai also was like this. So Goswami, uh, Ganga Mata Goswami was like this and she left home so that she wanted to see Krishna. So she was so desiring to see Krishna, she left home, travelled all the way from Bengal to Vrindavan on foot. You see, we didn't have trains then. This is, we're talking of 14th or 13th century. This was in the 16th century, after Saitanya Mahaprabhu. So she went there and then she took shelter of a, of a, of a Guru Maharaj called Haridhas, Haridasa Varya. So she said, I want to see Krishna. Can you show me Krishna? So like that, uh, then Haridasa Varya told her, uh, you are a young lady, so you need to be under the shelter of someone. So he put her in the shelter of uh, a very varish or a elderly devotee in Vrindavan, a lady devotee in Vrindavan. Uh, and she was serving under this uh, elderly devotee, Ganga uh, Mata Goswamini. And the elderly devotee was guiding her spiritually, but she did not give her a house to stay also. She said, the material things you have to manage it yourself. Don't ask me about material uh, comforts because I am not there for that purpose to give you material comforts. So in Vrindavan, she was uh, living in a you know, dilapidated, some broken down temple near the Yamuna near the Yamuna River. There was a broken down temple. So she used to live there and she used to uh, go to Madhukari. You know what is Madhukari? Madhukari is go and beg arms. Madhu is, you know what the honeybee does? What does honeybee do? Honeybee goes and collects nectar from flowers, you see. Scientists cannot imitate a single honeybee, can they? Can they produce honey? No. They cannot produce honey. I saw in the green house, sorry, I'm digressing a little bit. I just sometimes fail to understand the pursuit of science. You know greenhouses, these days they have greenhouses, they grow tomatoes in greenhouses. They are planning to build a robot bee. Why? Because in greenhouses there is no pollination, because there is no bees. So therefore they do it manual pollination. They put a ladder. They, they shake the flower and then they ask the flower to pollinate manually. I was thinking, what a waste of human form of life. Now they are designing robot bees. They are called as bot bees. They will go into these greenhouses and do pollination of the flowers. But the Lord has given you bees, Baba. Why are you toiling so much? This is called useless waste of human form of life. So they can't produce honey because honey is so beautiful, goes and gets nectar from each flower without destroying the flower. You see, it goes and collects the nectar, but the flower is still there, the fragrance of the flower is still there, and the flower is still blossoming and beautiful. But the honey goes and gets the nectar and produces honey. So for, so wonderful honey, so tasty. You see? So in the same way, Madhukari means the devotees who do not work go and beg arms at different houses, not more than seven. And those houses, 
uh, give them a half a roti and she used to take only quarter of a roti in a, in a meal quarter of a roti in Raj and she used to live such a meagre life and never she asked her spiritual master for comfort so such an exalted personality she was Ganga Mata Goswami so when her uh, spiritual mentor the elderly lady was about to leave her body she said uh, she gave her a final instruction she said you should go to Puri where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had done his pastimes you should go and discover the place of Sarvabhama Bhattacharya because that is lost in time so she had to travel all the way to Puri and she discovered and then uh, one day she had a desire to bathe in the Ganga usually uh, women will not bathe along with men but she also had a desire to bathe in Ganga but there were thousands of devotees who were bathing in Ganga so she had a desire like that but even before she could desire Ganga Mata actually flowed towards her and she picked her up and within the next fraction of a second she, she was at the feet of Jagannath, Lord Jagannath so this was the beauty of Ganga because she got the mercy of Ganga Mata she was called as Ganga Mata Goswami so we don't even know her real name <laughs> she was famously called as Ganga Mata Goswami uh, because she got the mercy of Ganga and Ganga is not different from Krishna in one sense because Ganga Mata descends from the lotus feet of Krishna so therefore uh, it, is, it is amazing of how the devotees always are in the mood of praying to Krishna uh, remember a devotee uh, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, he begs to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that may I be born, I do not remember who it was, may I be born as an insect in the bathroom of a devotee. That's the prayer he asks. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, why do you want to be an insect in the bathroom of a devotee? Then this devotee says, look, if I am in the bathroom of a devotee, the devotee is the servant of the Lord, the devotee bathes and that water touches his head and flows through the feet and that water which is touched the feet of the devotee of Krishna will be touching me when I become an insect. So therefore I want to become an insect in the bathroom of a devotee. So I can always bathe in the water that has touched the feet of a devotee. So it's, it's quite, a, quite an ask actually, <laughs> quite a benediction to ask. So like that the devotees are always uh, wanting to be in the association of devotees of Krishna. Uh, so therefore, the, this was the today is the appearance of such an exalted personality of uh, called as Ganga Mata Goswami. Today also is the disappearance day of whom? Paladev Vidyabhushan. Am I am I saying this correct? Yeah, it is Paladev Vidyabhushan. Today was the disappearance day of. He is one of the very prominent acharyas in our sampradaya. In fact, Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita is dedicated to. Baladeva Vidyabhushana, this is commentary. Uh, Baladeva Vidyabhushana, we know, is a, was a very uh, was a very prof- very proficient in the Vedanta and the Vedanta Sutras. In fact, when someone becomes a devotee in a parampara, let's say if I come into Iskon and I read Iskon books, <coughs> it is good that I get attached to this parampara and philosophy. But greater than that person is one person who has read all of the Sampradaya's literature. He's read Shankara Bhashya, he's read Ramanuja Bhashya, he's read Madhvacharya Bhashya, he's read Nimbarka Bhashya, then he's read Gaudiya Bhashya, and then he becomes obedient to Gaudiya Bhashya. That means he is completely learned, he's completely understood all the Acharya's Bhashya, and then he has decided this is the ultimate. He is great. Such a personality was so Baladeva Vidya Bhushna was very proficient in all the bhashas of all the acharyas. And then he uh, took to uh, 
Gaudiya Bhashya, when he met his spiritual master Radha Damodar Prabhu, Radha Damodar Prabhu, he met him in Puri, and then he gave his life to Radha Damodar Prabhu in following the Gaudiya Parampara. And then he got trained by his Shiksha Guru. Who was his Shiksha Guru? Balde Vidya Bhushna Maharaj's Shiksha Guru, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. So he goes to Vrindavan and takes guidance from Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. And we all know uh, there was a Sammelan in Jaipur where uh, Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur at that point in time had taken Kshetra Sanyas. You know what is Kshetra Sanyas? He had taken a vow that he will never ever step out of Rajmuni. So he didn't want to go, he could not go to Jaipur, so he sends Baladev Vidya Bhushana to participate in a Ved Ghoshi. Uh, you know, in, in olden in those days, uh, Brahmanas and Vedic scholars used to uh, assimilate in a place and then debate philosophical debates and then they, they used to come to conclusions and that was a that was a very famous arrangement then in the Vedic uh, time, not Vedic time, I am talking of uh, 500 years ago. So Baladev Vidyabhushna goes and he hears blasphemy of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, about four, they pose four questions. We see Radha and Krishna uh, always worship together but Radha is not a concert of Krishna and yet you worship Radha and uh, although it is not, it's not, it is immoral, is one question they pose. This, is, this was posed by the Sri Vaishnava uh, saints in the Jaipur assembly. Radharani worship Radharani, but her name is not mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, and then gopis are glorified, but they, are, they were never married to Krishna, but you always uh, talk about Rasalila and others. So all of these four, three or four questions were posed to Baladev Vidya Bhushana. Baladev Vidya Bhushana, by using the Vedas, Vedanta Upanishads and the Vedanta Sutras and Srimad Bhagavatam, proved all this is correct. I'll tell you a simple example. They said Radharani was never wedded to Krishna. But Vidya Bhushna says, during the Brahma Vimohananda, when Brahmaji steals all the cowherd boys, you see? Who, who manifested as the cowherd boys? Krishna himself. Krishna does not even, he did not even, he, he did not manifest just as the cowherd boys. He manifested as the cowherd boys. He manifested the clothes of the cowherd boys. So everything was Krishna. The clothes of the cowherd boys was also Krishna. The stick of the cowherd boy was also Krishna. Krishna was everywhere. So therefore the, the, the gopis' parents decided at that time that it is a high time that we need to get married all our gopis. So they got them married to the gopas at that time when the gopas were stolen by Brahma. Brahmaji has stolen the gopas. Krishna has manifested as the gopas. And now the wedding has happened between the gopis and the gopas. But actually it is Krishna. So in that sense all the gopis got married to Krishna, not the gopas. So Baldevida Bhushna proves this through Bhagavatam. And he, he was an expert in the Shat Sandarbhas, in the Jiva Goswami Shat Sandarbhas. So using the Sandarbhas, the knowledge, the deeper knowledge of Bhagavatam, he disproved all of the questions that were raised uh, in that assembly. And uh, everybody agreed to that conclusion. So he was such a prominent Acharya in our Sampradaya. Um, there are still so many um, debates whether to question that our Gaudiya Sampradaya is an independent Sampradaya, it's not a part of Madhva Sampradaya. If you go to Vrindavan, you'll see this. You'll see this big uh, uh, writings in some temple saying we are not one of the four Sampradayas, we are separate from this Madhva Sampradaya, we are an independent Sampradaya. But that is false, that is not the conclusion of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Maharaj and Srila Prabhupada. Uh, our, our Sampradaya is an authentic Sampradaya un, under the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya lineage and that is what our Sampradaya follows. And we will see uh, our, that when we read the Gita that Prabhupada has written, 
and when you read Gita Bhashya from Madhvacharya, it's not different. It is the same with Gita Tatparya and Gita Bhashya. So the conclusions of the Acharyas are the same. So how can we say that we are different? We are not. Uh, so Baladev Vidyabhushana's today is the Spirit's Day. It's a very auspicious day to seek his blessings, to understand the philosophical truths in our Sampradaya and to give us that knowledge, Dadani Buddhi. How does Krishna give us that knowledge? Krishna gives us that knowledge by 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 the devotees adhering and uh, revering the saints and the sampradaya. So that then the knowledge will be revealed to us by the wonderful literature that they compose. So with this, I will stop here. And I thank all of you for um, coming and blessing me. And I hope I please you all with Bhagavan. I seek prayers from devotees that I, whatever I, speak, I spoke was only for my uh, uh, self-realization, for my improvement. With this, I'll stop here. Any questions or comments we can discuss? Yes, sir. I am happy to like this that worshipping the Lord's devotees is Very, very, very nice question. Thank you, Sajjan. The question is, Tadiya Aradhanam Param, Krishna says, More than worship of me, worship of my paraphernalia, my devotees is more higher than worshipping me directly, Krishna says. Tadiya means the devotees of Krishna or paraphernalia of Krishna. Worship of Tadiya is more higher in one sense than worship of Krishna. Then how do we understand Krishna saying, Kama is taistaya Worship of devatas is condemned. Worship of Devatas is not condemned. Krishna doesn't condemn the worship of Devatas. That's a very critical point to understand. Devatas are exalted devotees of the Lord. They are very exalted devotees of the Lord. Indra, Chandra, Varuna, Agni, Brahma. They are all very exalted personalities. And they are all devotees of the Lord. So, what Krishna criticizes is Yajante Adhiti Purvakam. When we approach the demigods, we approach the demigods, for example, people worshipping Kali Mata or Durga Mata. When they go to Durga Ji and pray to Durga, Oh Durga, you are the supreme benefactor, you are the supreme Lord, you give me this, you give me that. When they approach the Devadas as supreme, which is a Shastrik, that is content. Durga Devi will not like it. When they go to Lord Shiva and pray, you are the supreme most, so that you give me money. When they go to Lord Shiva and pray like this, Shivji doesn't like it. He will say, you want money, you take it and get lost from me. That's what he does. Kama Durga Ji says, you want this, okay, you take it and get lost from me. You are used, you are fit for nothing. But when they go to Durga Mata or Lord Shiva and say, hey exalted personalities, can you please bless me with Krishna? Krishna Bhakti, if we ask like that, then it pleases them. Because it pleases the Vishnu inside them. Because Lord Shiva also worships Lord Ram. Because inside Shiva there is Krishna. Because, uh, because who is Vish- Vishnu means what? Vishnu means one who is everywhere. He is there inside Shiva also. He is there inside Ganapati also. He is there inside Durga also. They all worship their Aradhana. Aradhya Daiva. Their Ishta Devatas are there inside. So Lord Shiva worships Narasimha Dev. You know Lord Shiva destroys everything. He is the destruction. Where does that destruction power come from for Lord Shiva? It comes from Narasimha Dev. 
Narsingh Dev is the, uh, he draws his power of destruction from Narsingh Dev. So in the same way, Durga Devi is none other than Lakshmi Devi herself. So therefore, when they approach the Devatas Avidhi Purvakam, which is Avidhi means what? Which is not according to the rules and regulations of the scripture. It has to be based on the Shastras. Jo ashastri, if it is Ashastri, then actually it is dangerous. That is what Krishna condemns. Krishna says, please, if you want to worship, worship, but worship them in the right way. Where is it? Many people, you know, they say you should worship Durga Devi because it is written. Where is it written in the Shastras? Can you please show me anywhere? You have to ask. If somebody tells you, do this worship, do this worship, you should say, where is it written? Can you tell me which Purana, which Itihasa, which Upanishad is written? If it is not written, we should not follow. They are just misleading people. Such misleading people will not go anywhere actually. They think they are worshipping Lord Shiva. Actually, they are not worshipping Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is not accepting that worship. Lord Ganapati will never accept that worship. Many people worship Lord Ganapati. They offer so many things to Lord Ganesh. Do you think Lord Ganesh will accept them? No, he will not touch those offerings. As long as we say, Lord Ganesh, please take it and offer it to your... You know who Lord Ganesh worships? Lord Ganesh worships Vishwambhar Namakadeva. Lord, you know, Supreme Lord Krishna has a elephant face form. It is called Vishwambhar who is the elder son of, elder brother of Saitanya Mahaprabhu. Vishwambhar also has an elephant face. And uh, that's what Lord Jagannath adorns when he is bathed. And Lord Ganesh worships that form of the Lord. Therefore, he also gets the Sarupya form of the Lord. Sarupya is Lord Ganesh, as the elephant god. Why is he elephant god? Because the Lord is an elephant. Vishwambhar form. Vishwambhar is an elephant form. So therefore, we have to understand the deeper demons of the Vedas. So unless we offer it to Vishwambhar, Lord Ganesh will not touch our offerings. Whatever Modak wants, somebody offers to Ganesh, he will not accept. So there are out there in the Vedas, but nobody knows this. Because why they don't know this? Because they have desires. They go to the Devatas, I want this Lord Shiva, give me. Lord Shiva himself lives under a tree, but they go to Lord Shiva for material offerings. Lord Parvati, Goddess Parvati lives under a tree with Lord Shiva and Shivji doesn't even have clothes. He just wears a coffin. And yet, devotees of Lord Shiva, Lord Shiva will say, Shivji, mujhe bangla de do, mujhe ghar makam de do. They go ask for house, wealth, money. They do not know how Shivji is living. How is Parvati Devi living? She lives under a tree. She owns the whole world, but she lives under a tree. So, real devotees, they are not devotees of Shiva. They are just devotees of their own maya, 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 and sense gratitude. That's what Prabhupada says. kama is tais They have selfish desires. So, Krishna is saying, if you go with selfish desires, that is wrong. But if you go with Krishna Bhakti, that is not wrong. Does it make sense? Or let's say we are going and we see a Shiva temple, there is nothing wrong in paying obeisances as long as we know that he is a Parana Vaishnava. That's fine. But having said that, we do not exclusively go to Devata worship, do Devata worship, because when we worship Kula Prabhupada, when we worship the Lord, and when you have the spiritual master's photo on your altar, Spiritual master represents all the devatas that is there in this cosmos. All the three million devatas are represented by the spiritual master. So therefore, when we offer it to our guru, all the devatas are automatically pleased. So we do not do separate devata worship separately. Because how many will you worship? You have to worship a devata which will allow you to wink an eye. You know, to wink an eye, there is a devata who helps us to wink an eye. So, do you worship him because it's helping you to wink an eye? There is a devata which helps you to swallow. There is a devata which helps you to breathe in oxygen. There is a devata which helps you to circulate the blood in your body. So, there are so many devatas. How many will you worship? Therefore, Krishna says, there is a vidhi which we have to follow. If we follow that vidhi, then we can reach the ultimate very quickly. But if you do not follow the vidhi, 
पुनरपि जननम पुनरपि मरणम पुनरपि जननी जठरेशम दे विल बी ऑलवेज गोइंग टू द सर्कल ऑफ बर्थ एंड डेथ बर्थ एंड डेथ डू मेक सेंस थैंक यू वेरी नाइस क्वेश्चन वेरी पर्टिनेंट क्वेश्चन एंड वेरी मिसअंडरस्टूड टॉपिक आल्सो देवता वी डू नॉट रिजेक्ट देवता वर्ष वी आल्सो से सम पीपल in the in the garb of beginning of neophyte stage of krishna kanda how dare you worship dakshi you should not be worshiping that that is offensive sorry offense you have to be very careful because they are exalted personalities so we have to make sure that they are doing it in the vidhi in the process is followed in the process is followed and that is why we have uh, shivji as kshetrapal in vindavan why do we have shiva temples in vindavan otherwise We have, we, even in my group, there is a shiv, shivling. There are 21 or 30 shivlings where um, I don't remember the name. Uh, so we do, but we worship him as a Parama Vaishnava to guard our bhakti, to protect our bhakti. We worship Narasimha Dev, right? Shivji also protects our bhakti. That is why Kshetra Park. Kshetra of what? Kshetra means Vrindavan. Kshetra means our body, our mind, our consciousness. So we, he protects our consciousness by not falling into mind. Shivji. So therefore, there is nothing not to say. Lord Shiva, please help me protect my Krishna consciousness. So that's okay. Does it make sense? Thank you. Thank you for such a nice question. Then no question. How did Sudama stone Krishna's heart? Madam, how did Sudama stone Krishna's heart? Sudama ji, how did Sudama stone Krishna's heart? It's not relevant to the topic which we discussed today. But Sudama stole Krishna at heart because he was a devotee of Krishna. He was a bhakt of Krishna. Because Krishna, there are two things we have to understand. When we do bhakti of Krishna, Krishna gives something back. But when we give to Krishna something beyond our existence, Krishna gives himself to us. These are the two things Krishna reciprocates. Sudama ji, in his house, he has twelve children. and he had a mutti bar poha in his house to feed 12 children he decided to give that last bit of poha to krishna you know what what i mean somebody has 100000 dollars in his bank somebody decides to donate all the 100000 dollars into hundi what does it mean he is giving everything to krishna so because sudhama went beyond his means and he gave everything sarvasya tyag to krishna krishna became indebted to sudhama So therefore, he tried to say, "I'll, I'll give you my wife's box." It is a beautiful pastime. When he is eating one, he he brought three mutti bar, three morsels of poha. When Krishna ate the first morsel, he said, "The whole prithvi bhurlok is written for you. This is for you." He ate the second. He said, "All devlok is for you." He was about to eat the third because the Lakshmi ji knew, Satyabama and Rukmini ji knew, if the Krishna is going to eat the third one, he is going to say, "My wife's box is yours." So they stopped it. They said, "Let me let us eat the morsel now, because he's going to give away everything." So Krishna gives Himself if we give ourselves to Krishna. So this is the beauty of Krishna consciousness. That's why He spoke to Krishna. That's how He spoke. That is, that is my answer. Question number two. So we stop here. Grandparishman, Bhagavatam, Kita, Shri Prabhupada, Ananta Koti, Vaishnava, Bhakti, Kita.